apply it in my life on a daily basis. I'm a doer of the word and not a hearer only. Therefore, I am a fruitful believer. Amen, amen, amen. Well, uh, we are going to speak this morning. <clears throat> I guess you can call this uh, Don't Be Ignorant. <laughs> Um, it is, um, uh, I, I got, I got a shift this morning in regards to some of the things that, uh, we need to talk about, um, uh, because some of the things that I was going to mention maybe in the midweek, I did not, and, uh, I, I want to, um, make sure that we, we speak in terms of those things, Amen. Um, I know I just said turn to Hosea, but hold your finger there and turn to Matthew chapter number 16. Matthew chapter number 16, let's look at verse 24. Matthew chapter 16 and verse number 24. We're going to begin there and we're going to see how we uh, all come out together. Amen. Praise the Lord. Matthew chapter number 16 and verse number 24. We will probably, uh, I'm thinking, pick up to some degree about the last session on offense to some degree on Thursday, maybe, sort of. We'll see. Amen. Praise the Lord. Matthew 16, verse, <laughs> verse 24 says, out of the King James Version of the Bible, then, G then said Jesus unto his disciples, if any man come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Now, as we look at this particular passage of scripture, he says, first and foremost, then Jesus said, not to everyone. He wasn't speaking to a crowd. He was speaking to his disciples. He says, if any man will come after me. In other words, and as another translation says, if you desire to be my follower, as I am discovering that a lot of people, in fact, don't. This is a distinction between those that are in the crowd versus those that will really follow after God. He says, then the first thing you have to do, if you come after me, he said, let him deny himself. The first area or first element he indicates is that self-denial is something that is a must for disciples if you're going to follow God. In other words, set aside selfish interest is not just about you. And he says, take up his cross, which means express a willingness to endure whatever may, in fact, come. That's something that we don't hear often a lot uh, within the body of Christ, that yeah, it's going to cost you some endurance for you to follow God. God so oftentimes has people uh, that will start a journey, but quit in the process. They will start out with the greatest intentions, and they want credit for the intentions where they didn't finish the task. And the question is, are we willing to follow God fully as his disciples? Which means following him when he leads you somewhere or takes too long getting you somewhere that you want to be or he leads you somewhere you don't want to go. <laughs> he says, take up his cross and follow me. Take up his cross. Have a willingness to endure. Now, we've been reading over the last month the book of Job. And I, as I stated when we started reading that book, it was going to be some challenges in regards to that book. 
because there's a lot of dialogue in the middle of Job that makes it difficult at times to follow through. What in what's all this here? But the reality is, Job is going through a process during the course of time where God is displaying some things through his life. God is displaying both to him, yes, but he's also displaying some things in the realm of the spirit, and Job doesn't know anything about this stuff. God has singled out, out of all of the people of the earth at this time, this man. And he says, this man will hold a standard. And it's wonderful when we think about that, but we know these things, but Job did not. God didn't say any point in the scriptures, Job, hey, hey, man, this is what really is happening. This is what's going on behind the scenes. We had, there was a meeting in heaven and your name came up. And your name came up not in a negative way, but in a very positive way. And I singled you out because I knew that you could keep the standard. Job, you, you might have rejoiced in the midst of trials and his tribulation and his endurance that he had to suffer had he known any of these things, but he did not. He's ignorant about this. I wonder in our lives how many things that we are in fact ignorant about where God is saying, I know I can trust you to go through that. I know you can handle that. I know that you won't quit in the midst of that. And he's looking at you saying, would you just see me over the circumstance? Would you just see me over how much time is taken? Would you just see me over how much you're going to have to endure to accomplish something? Because I've been bragging on you and you don't know about it. Notice what he says once again, take up his cross, express a willingness to endure whatever. And he says, follow me. Another translation says, believe in me. It says, conforming to my example in living and if need be, uh, as I think the Amplified says, suffering. He says, follow my example. Follow my example. Do the things that I'm telling you to do. Follow my heart. Now, there are several things when we're talking about don't be ignorant, essentially, this morning, that we need to understand. There are several things that um, I was looking at this, and the Lord just began to drop these areas within my life or within my heart to minister. I didn't know it would be on a Sunday morning, per se, but that's what we're going to do on this morning. Things that we should know that Job did not know. There are certain things that you should know as a believer, born again, blood ball, tongue-speaking tongue believer that Job did not know. What are these things that we as believers should know and that we should not be ignorant in regards to? Now notice, <clears throat> the word ignorant is very interesting. It doesn't mean that you're stupid. It doesn't mean that you're dumb. It just simply means lacking knowledge. It means lacking awareness. And there's certain things, even in the midst of our waiting, in the midst of our trials, that we should not be lacking in awareness, lacking in knowledge in regards to these things. Hosea chapter number four and verse number six. The children of Israel have been away from the things of God. And they got to a point where the Bible even says that even the earth was having issues because of the fact of the disobedience or the lack of knowledge that was taking place in Israel. And in verse 6, the Bible says this, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. 
He says, they are destroyed for lack of knowledge because they have rejected knowledge. I have also rejected thee. That thou shalt be no priest to me, seeing that thou hast forgotten the law of thy God, I will also forget thy children. He says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. That is not supposed to be you as a believer. Now, as we look back at this story of Job, once again, there are certain things, as I indicated to you before, that Job was ignorant about. He was not aware of. One of the first things that he was unaware of is that Satan only attacks the significant. Satan only attacks the significant. What does the word significant mean? Those that are noticeable or important. What Job didn't realize that God did, what Job didn't realize that even the devil was, didn't know as well, is that how significant he actually was. Once again, God singled out Job. He is important and he, his lifestyle is noticeable. So oftentimes we, we have tonal vision as opposed to how we are living our lives. And a lot of times when we're living and doing things the right way and we don't hear any recognition, we think that maybe God didn't notice what's going on with me. Do, do you see that I'm doing right? Do you see that I'm doing what, what is correct? Do you see these things, God? But the reality is, God says, I see everything that you do. You're noticeable, and you are, in fact, very important. And unfortunately for you at times, because you are noticeable, because you are important, you sometimes are selected to go through things because God knows that you can deal with it. You can endure. You won't cave in, and you won't quit. You might feel like doing all of the above, but God says, no, you were selected. And because of the fact I notice you, you are able to be on display before other people. Notice this, 1 Peter chapter number 5 and verse number 8. Once again, we've read this before, but notice this. It says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a ruling lion, walketh about. He says, seeking whom he may devour, which means he doesn't have the ability to devour every single person, right? 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Notice this once again in verse number 11 of the King James. The scripture says this. <clears throat> Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not, notice the term again, ignorant of his devices. When we are unaware, when we have a lack of knowledge, there I say, if we look at this scripture, that means we are in a position where the devil can have an advantage over us. If we are lacking in this area of awareness, and that's what we are attacking in talking about don't be ignorant, we have to have an awareness of the situations in our life. Now, notice how I'm using this word, awareness. I did not say necessarily you're going to have all knowledge. Awareness of the situation, having a knowledge of the whole situation, no, having a knowledge of the players in this situation. Having an awareness of who your God is as opposed to who is in opposition against you. He says, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, we are not ignorant in the uses of his devices. The word devices comes from a Greek word. It means purpose. We as believers should not be ignorant of the purpose of the devil. 
It also means his intelligence. That word is interesting because a lot of times believers, especially if you've been in church any number of times, you know, you get to thinking that the devil ain't too smart because we say things like, well, I read the back of the book and uh, we win. And, and that's wonderful. And that is true. But he watches over your life to see where he can get a foothold in. Those weak spots. He observed Job, and that's one of the reasons why we're reading the book of Job, because the Bible says that he was patrolling around the world. And when God brought up Job, he knew who Job was. We need to be aware of the fact that he knows who you are. He knows what your weaknesses are because he is not dumb. Now, he's dumb in the sense of thinking that he's ultimately going to win because he's convinced himself of that. But there is an area of intelligence that he has. Notice it also, the word means his disposition, which means he is always in every situation in opposition against the purposes of God. It also means his mind or the way he thinks. It means his thoughts. And then, of course, it means his devices. He says, lest Satan should get an advantage of us. We are not ignorant. We are not aware of his intelligence, his disposition, his purpose, the way he thinks, his devices. But unfortunately for a lot of Christians, in fact, they are. And that's the reason why they fight in the flesh instead of dealing with things in the realm of the spirit. That's why you move, you feel it, the feeling to get emotionally uh, uh, to deal with things or you to get in your own flesh and deal with things in your own timing because the reality is the devil wants to pull you out there. We talked about this area here, three reasons, <clears throat> three reasons that we explain concerning attacks, three areas. The first area we talked about is this area of a spiritual attack. A spiritual attack is a demonic attack directed to hinder the will of God within life. It is a demonic attack directed to hinder the will of God within life, thus disturbing or disturbing the impact on people and the advancement of the kingdom. We oftentimes, we like to think again in terms of these big, massive illustrations of the will of God and the kingdom of God on the march in our lives. And it's wonderful when they're big and they're dramatic. But sometimes the will of God, the purpose of God, and the advancement of the kingdom are so subtle that we miss it. Maybe God has centered you out to be on display to several people that you can't see. That he's looking at your life saying, yeah, she will be pure until, whereas other people will be pure in front of folk only. Maybe he's displaying in your light and is speaking to people that you cannot see. And what's happening is, see, when you are doing the will of God, there are opportunities where there are, in fact, spiritual attacks. <clears throat> a spiritual attack, once again, is a demonic attack that is intended to hinder the will of God. Now, that's one. And God has given a solution for spiritual attacks. He said, put on the full armor of God. Right? We see that in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 10. But then we have another kind of reason that you go through some things. And sometimes it can be this area of bad decisions. Bad decisions or wrong decisions. 
And if I want, I want to define some of this. And what does that mean? It means misguided decisions made. Misguided decisions made that disregard divine directives. Or it's the lack of acknowledgement to inquire about divine directives. Maybe you prayed about something. And you started stepping. And you felt like God said, no, you weren't supposed to do this. But you kept going. Well, there's going to be a consequence for you continuing on something that you know that your peace was disturbed about. It is not a spiritual attack. It is a consequence of what you decided to do. See, the will of God is not one of those things that's automatic, not within your life. You have to choose it. You have to choose it where your job is concerned. You have to choose it where your mate is concerned. You have to choose it on so many different levels. You have to choose what God wants for you over what you, in fact, want yourself. Sounds like, once again, you must take up your cross daily. Job might have said to God, I don't desire to be chosen. It's okay, God. Choose somebody else. But if you're going to be a disciple, that means that, yeah, yeah, at times, yeah, I don't know what to do. All I know is sometimes when God says, all right, nothing, that means I don't need to do anything. When he says move, that means I need to move. When he does say, in fact, I want you to stop, I need to stop. And if you don't, then what God oftentimes does, he backs up and he says, all right, you own your own. James 1 and verse 5 tells you that if you even desire or have a need for wisdom, all you got to do is ask him. Proverbs 3 verse 5 and 6 tells us that all you got to do is acknowledge God in all your ways. Now he'll just, he'll give you the directives. So away from this notion of being ignorant, saying, well, God never said anything, but he said he would. Now if he said he would, but you say he ain't saying that, which one of y'all is lying? What happens again is what we do is we get into some mess and then we say, I don't know how I got here. God said, yeah, you do. You stop acknowledging me and you stop asking for wisdom. And therefore you are responsible for what's happening within your life. Now, thank God that he's a loving father and he'll get us out of the mess. But that doesn't mean that that was his fault. And that also doesn't necessarily mean it was the devil's fault. So one of the things Christians don't like to do is take ownership. Ownership for some of the messes that we have. Because it's through pride we want to cover it instead of being transparent and say, God, I missed it. I made a mistake. I got before you. I did more than, than I, I should have been doing. God, you said slow up. You gave me warnings. You gave me signals. But I decided to override every single one of those because I, I wanted to do it my way. The last one, if you will. Of these three reasons, as we've said, is this area of authorization. Well, what is authorization? Authorization, it is to give official permission. It is or approval to. It is words spoken authorizing a harvest. That you've given permission for certain things within your life. Or you've given approval for certain things within your life. Proverbs 18, 21. Uh, the Amplified said, Death and life is in the power of the tongue. And they who indulge in it shall eat the fruit of it. For death or life. You know, we can authorize certain things within our life that are positive, And we can authorize things that are negative based on the words of our mouth. Turn over to Matthew. 
Matthew chapter number 12. We have more responsibility over governing our mouth than sometimes we know. You're either speaking words of faith or words of fear, but you are choosing what's coming out of your mouth. Notice what he says in Matthew chapter number 12, verse 36. He says, but I say unto you that every, notice the word, idle word, that man shall speak, they shall give an account or give account, therefore, in the day of judgment. Every idle word, that means every inoperative word that comes out of your mouth, you're going to have to give an account. He says, watch this, verse 37, watch this. He says, by thy words shalt thou be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. Authorization is one of, another reason why some people end up in certain situations and circumstances within their life. They authorize it through the words of their mouth, through little joking words. You start saying, well, you know, don't nothing good happen to me. If I go out here, I'll probably get hit by a car. And one of the things, again, one of the purposes, the intelligence, the disposition of the devil is to take you out. And when you speak words against your life, the devil says, I have a right to authorize that in their life because of what they authorized. They said something. And God, I make a demand on what they said. What do you think God can do? Sometimes God says, I have to allow that to happen in your life because of what you said. He said, death in life is in the power of the tongue. You've been saying that all these things were going to happen to you. God says, even though that wasn't my will, I have to allow it. Because of what you authorize within your life. Now, let's move forward. Number two, watch this. Things that we should not be ignorant about. Number two, every test must be passable or is not permitted. Every test must be passable or is not permitted. First Corinthians chapter 10 and verse number 13 once again says, There's no temptation taking you, but such as common to men. But God is faithful who will, will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but with the temptation also make a way of escape that ye may be able to bear it. So he says, every test must be passable or it's not permitted. He says, every test is common to man. Every single test. There's nothing that you are experiencing, nothing that you're going through that is beyond your abilities or foreign to the human experience. He says, can't be, or every test can't, you can't be tempted above that which you are able, which means temptations or to be tempted above your ability to resist. I'm not, a test is not allowed within my life that I can't pass. If it's there, I can pass it. If it's allowed, I can pass it. Job, if God allows the devil to do any of these things to you, you are able to stand. Number three, he says, with the temptation, there must be a way out. In other words, if I'm in the middle of an issue that God has allowed or permitted to be allowed within my life, there has to be a way. And so we got it once again. Why is it that I don't have a way? Maybe I am canceling the way with my dumb words. I don't know how we're going to get out of this one. <laughs> it looked look like we're really going under. And see, what happens is, see, the devil will start talking to you and telling you, you know, you're going to get out of this one now. They're going to put y'all out. This is never going to happen for you. And what we do, instead of speaking against those negative words, 
We agree with him and say, yeah, this ain't never going to happen for me. I don't know what we're going to do. One of the worst things that a Christian can say is, I don't know what we're going to do. Why? Because God says that the wisdom of God is formed within you. He said all you got to do is ask for the wisdom and it's going to flow. He says when you pray, pray in faith. So when I pray, I need to believe that the wisdom of God is flowing even when I don't know. You might have to start correcting your tongue from saying I don't know to say what well, I will know. Or you might have to add a little to it. Say I'm not sure what we're going to do now, but I will at the right time. Because I'm making a demand on the Spirit of God based on James chapter 1, verse 5. Number four, we see out of the same passage of Scripture, he says, every test allows or every test allowed has a qualifying endurance requirement. It's not allowed if you can't endure. So if God has allowed you to go through a test, I have the capacity to endure it. Lord, how long is it going to be, Jesus? God said, but you can endure it. But see, the key of it is you were never intended to endure anything solo. He said, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. The question is, do you believe that? Number three, third thing that we should not be ignorant of, watch this, is that tests and trials are real. Tests and trials are, in fact, real. Their notion of the fact that they are not real is not true. The reason why we teach faith is because you're going to go through some stuff. The reason why we teach endurance is because God really does have an expectation of you enduring. As we said before, reading through the book of Job, one of the things that you come across is all of these conversations that Job is having. Because the same people that he thought would be coming in his life to encourage him come and in fact discourage him. And little by little, Job begins to move into this position of defending himself against his very friends. Say, I ain't done nothing. Quit condemning me about where I am and join me by encouraging me. And Job is struggling. That's what you see within the passage of Scripture that little by little Job begins to say, I ain't done nothing. Why? Why you say, why, why ain't you married? Why don't you have a baby? Why don't you have a job? And you say, and Job is like, I don't know why I don't have all this. It ain't because I'm living wrong. It's not because I've done anything that's wrong. And little by little, as the chapters go by, over and over again, Job begins to defend himself to the point that as he, he goes on, he starts to move into an area of contempt. What does it mean to tempt God? It means when he begins in his expression of saying to God, I mean saying to his friends, I ain't done nothing, he begins to turn back to God and say, did you hear what I said? God, I said I ain't do nothing. Why you let me go through that? Why you making me wait? Why are you allowing this circumstance to continue and persist within my life? And it's possible within our life that what we can do, because when you go through things and you go through things and you go through things, you move into a little area where you think that you are qualified to question God and his judgments. Notice this, he says once again, number three, tests and trials are real. However, knowing the source of your problems is imperative. 
Knowing the source of your problems is imperative. So that you understand, yes, God did permit you to go through this. Yes, God did permit for you to wait. Yes, God did permit for you to have to endure these areas. But yes, God does, in fact, have a heart for you. And he knows that you are able to get to the other side. To tempt God is to question God's wisdom. We are not qualified to question the wisdom of God. And that's what you see. God says, all right now, boy, all right, you get inside yourself. You get inside yourself now. You won't have a manly conversation, stand up here. And then God tells Job all of the stuff you don't know. How much do you really know? When you think about your life, how much do you really know? It's possible that you can get so inundated with what's going on in your life that you can't see how much you really don't know. How much is God talking to somebody else? How many things are God moving behind the scenes that you're unaware of? How many things that are already happening in your life that is the favor of God, but you don't recognize it because you only see the fact that you're going through. That you begin to ask God, what are you doing? And like I said before, I don't want God to talk to me like he talked to Job. Because Job's response was trembling <laughs> at his ignorance. Watch this. Number four. Things that we don't need to be ignorant about. Number four is that we don't control the length of the testing nor the cycles. We don't control the length of the testing or the cycles. I can tell you personally, there are a lot of things that I would prefer to have already happened in my life. I don't get to control that. Now, I can control the complaints that come out of my mouth, but I don't get to control my progress. I don't get to control the things that I are not within my purview. Job had two cycles. He had an emotional cycle where he lost everything, all of his finances and his children. But he also had another cycle where he lost his health. And he wasn't in control of neither one of that, nor was he aware of anything in regards to, once again, two meetings in heaven and God didn't tell him about either one. Two situations. We need to know that we don't control the length of the test. Notice this in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 7. The message says this, I know how great this makes you feel, even though you have to put up with every kind of uh, aggravation in the meantime. Watch this, he says, pure gold put in the fire comes out of it proved pure. Comes out of it proved pure. The only way that you can be proven within your life is to have gone through some things. The only way that God, it may be, once again, God is using your life as a standard. Well, the only way that that standard can really be on display is it has to be proven to be the standard. That you don't respond, you don't fall, you don't cave in like everybody else. Therefore, that's what makes the standard. Maybe that's the reason why God says, all right, I want you to go this way. And you say, but Lord, I don't want to go this way. But God says, I need a standard here. Because everybody else I sent there, they conformed to the world, they did things the world's way, and they were a standard, at, but they became a point of an excuse for people. I sent five people into there. 
I sent five people over there and every single one of them conformed to the system and I wasn't able to set a standard. So he said, I sent you because you will keep my standards. And if you will go through, he says, you'll be proven to be the standard that I set there instead of the excuse. Notice he says, watch this, prove go. Genuine faith must, he said, genuine faith through suffering comes out, comes out proved genuine. Genuine faith put through this suffering comes out proved or comes out proved genuine. In other words, the only way that your faith is authentic is having had some pressure. He says when Jesus wraps us, wraps this all up, it, it's your faith, not your goal that God will have on display as evidence of his victory. He says it's your faith. Your faith. Your faith. See, most of the time we don't think of our faith being precious, but God does see it that way. And that's the reason why there is this area of endurance, because God wants to display your faith. Why do we remember Abraham? Because of his faith. Why do we remember Noah? Because of his faith. God wants to display here or the faith that you operate to other people. Number five, fifth thing that we shouldn't be ignorant of. Watch this. God will always restore and give you more than what you lost. God will always restore and give you more than what you lost. But I want you to notice the key is found in uh, Job 42 in verse number 10. Notice how this ends. It says again, the Lord, out of King James, the Lord turned the captivity of Job, but he says, when he prayed for his friends. God changed the situation or the path for Job to get to the next level. The path to get out of the situation that he was in was not wrapped up in Job praying only for himself. It was in the kingdom agenda, him praying for somebody else. You know, as a pastor, that's something I have to do all the time. Sometimes I'm scrolling and I'm like, Lord, why is this not happening to my church? God said, are you praying for that church? And I say, no, I am not. He said, well, you going to pray for them? Some days I'm like, I'll get back to you. <laughs> when you start praying for other people, God says, I'm going to make those things that you are praying for them, the blessing shows up in your life. <coughs> Watch this. He says, when he prayed for his friend, the Lord gave Job twice as much as what he had before. But it only happened when Job got beyond thinking about, oh, <laughs> what's going on, God? And once again, I cannot say this enough in this message. Chapter 42 is very interesting how God restores him. It's interesting how God says, yeah, you got to pray for your friends. But what still does not happen is God does not sit down with Job and say, all right. Now that you pray for your friends, let me explain all of the things that you didn't know. <laughs> That's not how the story of Job ends. And I wonder in our lives. Just like in that book, how many chapters do you have of complaints? How many chapters in your life do you have of self-righteousness? How many chapters do you have in your life of self-centeredness? When God says, the whole time, I'm doing things beyond what you can see. The whole time, your questioning of me is an evidence of the fact that you don't know my heart yet. 
See, we got to get to the position where we understand that everything from the heart of God towards you is good. He means good for you. He knows what you can take. He knows the best time for that to happen for you. He knows every minute detail about you. I was watching once again because I love this story. I just turned on it last night, the, the story of Harriet. And I was observing that Harriet had a husband and then she didn't. And that does follow the history. But Harriet could not become the Harriet Tubman that we know if she was married. All the people she went to get back, she needed to be single. All of the things that God wanted to accomplish through her life at that point, she couldn't have a man sit and say, well, where's the dinner? <laughs> but when all that was done, God gave her a husband. God knows the time for everything that's going on in our life. And there's a reason why he leads us in the direction that he leads us. And the thing that we have to be comfortable with is what we don't know. But our ignorance should not be about Satan. We should know him. But God says we also should know him. That his heart for you is always good. His heart for you is always the best. His timing for your life is perfect. And he says, I am transforming those that have decided to be disciples from those that are simply religious. That means, yes, you must take up your cross and endure wherever it is I lead and whatever in the timing that I'm leading you to do things. Let's pray. Father, in the authority of the name of Jesus, Lord, we bless you for this opportunity to have gotten into your word on this morning. Lord, we choose to trust you. God, now we got questions. We wonder what's going on. We wonder about certain timing. There are certain things that you tell us. There are a lot of things you don't tell us, God. But Lord, with all of our heart, we choose to trust you. To place our hearts in your hands. Thank you, God, for putting up with us and putting up with our complaints and, and our repentance from complaining and our complaint and our repentance from our complaining that you still toil with us, God. But Lord, we decide that we want to be disciples and not religious people. And so, Lord, we just commit to you and your plans. Lord, we'll be aware of what comes from what. We'll be aware of the intents and the vices that the devil uses. But Lord, we'll also be aware of your heart towards us. No good thing will you withhold from them that walk uprightly before you. All good and perfect things come down from you. And so, Lord, we will have the right discernment of the good and have the right discernment to be able to stay in your purposes and your plans and not be distracted. And we give you praise for everything that you'll do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, it's giving time. Hallelujah. It's giving time. Let's look at one more thing before I, I quit totally. <clears throat> Back over in Proverbs. Proverbs chapter number four. 
we can make this the given scripture and that works for us fine too. Amen. Proverbs chapter 4 verse number 5 says, Get wisdom. Get understanding. And he says, Forget it not. That's a fascinating thing for God to say. It's possible for you to get wisdom, get understanding, and you forget it. <laughs> How do you forget wisdom? How do you forget understanding? When you get to a position where you are more inundated with the things of life and less about God. He says, get wisdom and forget it not. He says, neither decline from the words of my mouth. Oh, we see relationship again. How do I forget wisdom? How do I, um, or how to get wisdom? He says, get understanding and forget it not is when I decline from the words of his mouth. Verse number six says, forsake her not and she will, what is she in this sense? He says, wisdom. So we can look at it. Wisdom will preserve you, preserve thee. Love wisdom or love her, and she shall keep thee. So wisdom will keep you. What wisdom? The wisdom that comes from what we see in verse number five. He says, neither decline the words of my mouth. He says, watch this, verse number seven. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore get wisdom, and with all thy getting, get understanding. And then he says, verse number eight, exalt her. Exalt who? Wisdom. When you get the wisdom, when you get understanding, exalt the wisdom of God. And what? She shall promote thee. When you exalt the wisdom of God that you've gotten, the understanding that God has given you, and you exalt it, he says, that is going to lead to your area of promotion. She shall bring thee to honor, and thou shalt, he said, thou dost embrace her. The wisdom of God is available to all believers upon request. Understanding of certain things is available to you upon request within certain limitations. The problem is we got too many Christians ignorant about the things that God says are on open display. And that's what we have to deal with. Well, what are you talking about, Reverend? Well, one of the areas that people are ignorant about, if I have a lack in my life, God says, I've given you just enough so that you can plant a seed. Your seed will produce a harvest if you plant the seed where I tell you to plant it. What is that? I have wisdom of God, which is located in the word of God, but I understand what happens when I do what God tells me to do. When I use that wisdom, he says, that wisdom will promote you. When I have a need, I plant a seed. When I bring my tithes and my offering to my storehouse where God tells me to bring it, he says, you place me in the position to be able to bless you. Stingy has a harvest of you having lack. Being generous has a harvest of you receiving an abundance. He says you choose that. God says that's my wisdom. You understand that. What are you going to do? You're going to exalt the way you've been doing things or you're going to exalt my wisdom above that of your own. Three ways that you can give to the training center. One way is by way of our online giving which is the trainingcenter-church.org Second way is by way of our cash app, which is dollar sign one TTC. Third way is by way of our online, our, I'm sorry, our mail address, which is the training center located at 1314 West 2nd Avenue, Gastonia, North Carolina, zip code 28052. And of course, you can get live and in the house. Either way that the Spirit of God leads you to give into this ministry, we thank God for your obedience. This is a ministry that sows seeds as well. We'll be sowing seed into Greenville Community Christian Church uh, on this week as well as they celebrate 41 years of ministry. Amen. 
41 years of obeying God, 41 years of endurance, 41 years of doing what the Lord has in fact told them to do. We are not at 41 years. We are a little bit over five. <laughs> but we are doing what God called us to do. Are you doing what God told you to do? That's always the question that we should ask in our life. Am I doing, am I sowing what he tells me to sow? Can he trust me with a dime of a dollar? Congregation, let us set ourselves in agreement with those that are sowing and those that, are in fact, have already sown. Father, in the authority of the name of Jesus, God, we bless you for this opportunity to display our trust through our seed. Lord, we trust your heart concerning us. And we trust that you are able to rebuke the devourer for our sake because we are tithers and givers. That you're able to pour out upon us the blessings of God that the windows of heaven are opened up over our life because we are tithers and givers. We thank you, Lord, because our heart is to be a cheerful giver. Lord, we thank you that the grace of God operates in our life. We give you praise and we speak to our seed and say, seed, go and grow and produce a massive harvest in our lives in Jesus' name. Everyone that say, amen. Well, once again, I want to tell you that we have book number five that is now available. Book number five, which is entitled Remaining Focused. Remaining Focused. It is possible that you could start out good, and in the process, you enter into a time where you are being distracted. Distracted by this, distracted by that. And within this book, we've identified some areas where the devil attempts to distract you from the purposes of God within your life. Uh, we, it, this book has a little thickness to it because I wanted to put a lot of narrations that I created within this book to illustrate the point. I cannot promise that will be the case with all of the books. However, for this one, I wanted to uh, at least identify some of these areas of distraction and how they practically look within our life. These are areas where the devil wants to pull you off and away from the will of God. Once again, we are not to be ignorant of his devices. Distractions is a device that he employs, and unfortunately, successfully in a lot of lives of many believers. Give me a distraction of discouragement that happens in your life. And if you allow discouragement to stay within your life, what happens is, little by little, he can get you to not trust the heart of God remain focused on what God has called you to do. And I believe this will be a great tool to help you in regards to that. Amen? Praise the Lord. Well, um, well, we will see you on next, on this coming Thursday. Amen? For Bible study. Amen? Praise the Lord. God bless you. Hello, I'm Lady Aisha W. Smith. Thank you for joining us today. We are the Training Center Church located here in Gastonia, North Carolina at 1314 West 2nd Avenue, Suite B. If you're joining us and this is your first time, we'd like to take this time to say thank you. If you're new to our area or if you're looking for a church home, we currently have our services on Thursday evening at 645 and 7 p.m. for Bible study and Sunday morning worship at 10 a.m. We'd like to invite you and your family and even a friend to join us live here in person 
where we have worship every Sunday. Thank you for joining us. Give thanks and be blessed. I'm Lady Aisha W. Smith. On behalf of our pastor, Pastor A.C. Smith, we love you and thank you so very much.